right. Well, hello and welcome to the Sermon Recap Podcast. I'm here with our senior pastor, Gary Singleton. Hello, Gary. How are you? Hello. I am doing well. Very Thank nice. Thank you, Pierce. You're welcome. You're welcome. Uh, so this past Sunday, we were in week two of our series, which we're simply calling, Hey God, Where Are You? Mm-hmm. And it's just us asking some practical questions of where is God in some of life's most trying circumstances. This week you talked about chaos, Mm -hmm. and your definition, well, I'm not sure if it was your definition, (laughs) Google's definition of chaos. Webster, someone. Yeah, yeah, you went to your office and got your leather-bound dictionary. Oh, of course, of course, yeah. We'll say Google via Webster, but a state of disorder and confusion. Yep. But but what I liked even more, and I don't think you intended for this to be a definition, but, but you said in times of chaos, the world gets loud and God gets quiet. And immediately my mind is like, that is a summation of every chaotic season I've ever walked mm-hmm. through, period. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if it's relational chaos, work chaos, hasn't been much, don't worry. Mm-hmm. And uh, that just really, really helped me frame it. And so okay. yeah. my question for you, um, you know, I think a lot of times we think chaos doesn't affect pastors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but you and I both know that's not true. And so I was curious if you would just, Maybe tell us about a time in your life where you felt you were sort of in a storm of chaos, and and what did it look like walking through that season for you personally? Yeah. Well, I mean, all of us go through definite seasons of chaos, professional, personal, you know, and and in every other way. If you raise children and and they make it to their teenage years, but without killing them, you know, you're you're going to know all about chaos. We don't recommend you. Do yeah, that. no, we don't recommend that at all. Uh, you know, it's uh, that's chaotic. Yeah, I think you know when you asked me that question, what came to my mind is the death of my dad, the death of my mom. That was eight years apart, and both of them were chaotic in different ways. Mm. Um, my dad, when he passed away, you know, is he's really the closest relative to me that that I had lost. I'd lost my yeah. grandfather, but but that was expected. My goodness, he was a hundred years old, and and so we were kind of expecting that. Then my dad died, and it's just one kind of form of chaos. Mm-hmm. Like wow, life really does happen. Death happens. And, and just how you're going to survive that. And then there was a whole different kind of chaos eight years later when my mom passed away, more dementia, Parkinson's, mm-hmm. and you just saw her wasting away and, and, and just uh, providing for her care and even running out. She lives, lived two hours away, running out on a lot of weekends and mm-hmm. spending the night there to care for her. It just life gets busy you feel pulled in a hundred different directions. And and I'm not 100% certain God actually gets quieter. I said that, but the truth is it just gets harder and harder yeah, to hear it because sure. the noise of the world is so loud and God just refuses to, to try to outshout the world. He's yeah. still going to speak and we have to stop and we have to listen if we're going to hear him. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's so true. As you were sharing that, it reminded me of, the one memory I have of your dad. Yeah. A lot of you might not know, but I had the privilege of growing up in the Singleton household as my second home. Uh, Your youngest son, Taylor, is one of my best friends. But we went out to his tree farm on a weekend, and we get there, (laughs) and he immediately puts us to work. Yep. And I'm like, I'm just a guest here, man. Like, I'm going to sit up on the... Uh, Nope. There was... And 
I, I believed that I needed to work. And yes. so, but it was great. It was really fun to get to spend that time with him. And so it's totally my dad right there. <laughs> well, uh, that's I, him I, in a nutshell. Farming's not easy work out here. So I, I guess don't blame so. him. Yeah. Um, so you, you use the story of Jacob as yeah. a sort of a sample of chaos uh-huh. and, and a lot of his chaos. And I would say like probably many folks listening was driven by family mm-hmm. conflict. So my question is for those of us, cause I assume there's many listening with some sort of chaotic mm-hmm. family situation yeah. and we don't have to fill in all the gaps, but what's a practical and maybe biblical response to those walking through family mm. chaos? Yeah. You know, honestly, it's, it's, it's what we talked about in the message. You know, what, what I love about Jacob is that God is the one who changed his name to Israel. Yeah, he so strives with God. And, and I don't know that I really brought it out in the message as clearly as I intended to, but he comes out and he's called kind of this grasper, you know, this mm-hmm. he's holding on to his brother's heel because he wants what his brother has. And, and I guess as an infant, just being born, he wasn't thinking that consciously. Sure. But, but still, usurper and, and just holding on and clinging. But something happened in his life where he let go of his brother's heel and he grabbed a hold of God and he refused to let go of God. He just, he just changed the one that he was grasped to hold up, you know, Mm -hmm. that he was holding on to, I guess would be the better way to say that. And, and, uh, and and honestly, if we could just get that picture in our mind where we're just like, God, just make my name Israel. I am one who strives with God. But remember, the striving with God is not fighting with God. It was God saying, let go, let go. <laughs> and, and he's going, I'm not going to let go until you bless me. And God defines that as striving with God. And so just who are you clinging to? And so many of us are clinging to the solution that we want yeah. from God. Yeah. And and we're clinging to what we hope will be our rescue or what and and instead just saying God, I'm going to cling to you and I'm not going to let go until you bless me. I'm not going to let go until you get me through this chaos. I'm I'm not going to let go of you no matter what. Yeah, and I feel like what I hear you saying is, is a permission to where if, if your faith, and I don't want to use the word relegated, but if your faith is not much more than hanging on for dear life in times yeah. of chaos, that's okay. Like there's times when there's not a lot more that we can do, especially in family strife and the death of a close family member. Your faith might be as simple, even reduced down to hanging on for dear life. And that's what it means to be Israel, to be a striver. 100%. I mean, think about it. When when our strife involves another individual, as it turns out, we can't control another yeah. individual, yeah. right? Yeah. And we can do our part, but that doesn't mean they're going to respond yeah. the way that Jesus wants them to respond. And so by definition, it takes two to tango, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so, yes, I do believe so much of life really is just um, in the chaos I'm holding on to Jesus, and I'm going to trust Jesus to work in the hearts and the lives. If it's family strife, I'm going to trust Jesus to work in the hearts and the lives of the other people in my family. I'm not going to try to control them or change them. I'm going to trust God to do what He's going to do in their life. As for me and my house, we're going to 
cling to Jesus, hold on to yeah. Jesus. Kim loves to tell the story that she, she uh, stopped trying to change me early on in our marriage because she gave up. And and what she does instead is she prays and asks God to change me. And uh, and and she's always amazed at how I'll be coming back to her and, and whatever it is she's been praying about asking God to do in my life. I'll be coming to her. I didn't know she was praying that. And I'll be saying, hey, honey, I'm really feeling convicted about da-da-da-da. And she's like, oh, okay. You know, so, yeah. It turns out that strategy is probably working out for her pretty well. It's not It's not a bad strategy. No, it's not. So, so but absolutely, just to be clear, yeah, I sure. love the way you just said that. Hanging on for dear life, far from saying, you know, oh, gosh, sometimes that's good enough. Man, I think that's exactly what Jesus wants us to do, Right. It's, it's, I'm going to hang on for dear life. I'm not going to let go until you get me through this, till you show me what you're doing, whatever. It's the picture of Jacob just clinging to God, just like he held on to Esau's heel when he was being born. He held on to God when he was a grown man of faith. I love that. Yeah. That's, that is a really good picture. So from there, you, you sort of begin to to weave this idea that a lot of chaos can come from or a result of chaos can can feel like there's some unanswered prayers. Yeah. Because there's times we're hanging on for dear life and we are praying and we are, you know, pouring out our soul as Hannah did in, in First Samuel. And yet we pour out our soul, we pray and we pray, and it feels like God is silent and he's not hearing our prayers. He's not answering our prayers. And suddenly we get to this place where our expectation is one thing, but our reality is far different. Mm-hmm. And even in good things, you mentioned infertility, mm-hmm. great thing. Like we are for godly couples having babies, raising them up in the ways mm-hmm. of the Lord, but so many struggle with infertility and that prayer Absolutely. just seems to not be answered. So what would you say we can learn from unanswered prayers? Yeah. You know, I, Pierce, I think, I mean, God is good. And so if God is not answering our prayer in the time that we want Him to answer our prayer, He's not answering it the way we want Him to answer it, we can either decide, okay, God is not good, Mm -hmm. or we can cling to, wait a minute, God is good. And so if God is good, even when He's not answering our prayer, then that means God is intending to stretch our faith. He's intending to reveal something else. He's intending to rearrange priorities. He's intending to teach us something. In other words, I believe that in unanswered prayer, God is always present and God is always teaching. You know, I I just, when I think of unanswered prayer, I mean, look at the book of Hebrews, chapter 11. How many people died clinging to the promise of God? But, but not having yet seen the promise fulfilled, and God is bragging on them, going, now that's faith. Yeah. And, and I think of Abraham. My goodness, God promises Abraham, I'm going to establish your descendants as a great nation. Abraham didn't get to see that in his lifetime. And so he was clinging to the promise of God, but he died long before God answered the prayer. And 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 God holds him up literally as the father of our faith. <laughs> right. He he is the one that we're supposed to look to. So I just think that God is wanting to teach us in the midst of unanswered prayer that 
more than the answer and more than just a, 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 a ceasing cessation of the chaos. What we really need is God. Yeah. And if we're holding on to God, we actually have, it's not what we most want at times, right? but, but we have what we most need. Yeah. And, and there's a sense in which I think God is just teaching us that He is enough, even though He loves to come back and bless us. And infertility, sure. He loves to bless. And, and, and a marriage that's on the rocks, He loves to bless. But, but still, no matter what the chaos, what we need most is the one that we're holding on to, and His name is Jesus. That's so good. I, what always comes to mind when thinking about unanswered prayers is Isaiah 55, 8 through 9. You know, your thoughts are not my thoughts. Your yep. ways are not yep. my ways. And I want to have faith in my ways. Yep. I want to have faith in my thoughts. But the reality is I don't need, I, that's not a good place for me to put my faith. Right. But to put my faith in the one whose ways are above my ways, whose thoughts are above my thoughts, that is certainly, I think, what obedience looks like. And I think that's what it looks like to cling to sort of to the heel of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that. And 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 frankly, you know, in my humanity, I, I want what I want more than sure. I want what God wants a lot of times. And I have to hit the pause button and and decide, do I really want what I want or do I really want what God yeah. wants? Unanswered prayer forces me to answer that question. Yeah. And and hopefully I arrive and we all arrive at the decision, God, I honestly just want what you want. Yeah. Your kingdom done. Your, your will be done. Yeah, that's it. Much as I would like to be mine. But. Yes, 100%. Well, thank you so much for joining us for our week two of Hey God, Where Are You? sermon series recap. As always, if uh, you're interested in submitting a question for us to discuss, we'd love for you to do that. You can do that by texting your question to 45859. Again, thank you, Gary, and we'll see you here next week for week three of our sermon series recap podcast.